You are listening to Agency Work, and this is Season 3, where the focus of the conversations will be on collaboration. I am your host, Parker Plaisted. Today, I am talking with Annette Boyd and Matt Brahoney. Annette is the director of the Virginia Wine Board Marketing Office. Matt is a senior brand manager at Joe Smith, the brand consultancy of Padilla. Annette and Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Parker. Thank you, Parker. Today we are going to talk about a project that Annette and Matt worked on to promote Virginia wines and wineries, and I'm looking forward to sharing the story of how they collaborated on this project. First, let's get started with Annette telling us about the work done by the Virginia Wine Board Marketing Office. Thanks. The Virginia Wine Board Marketing Office really does the overall marketing and branding for the Virginia wine industry as a whole. We do the umbrella uh, marketing, which includes uh, the overall brand for the industry. It includes uh, various marketing elements like the website, uh, the Virginia Winery Guide. We do a lot of events that help support that branding, and we plan and execute those events. Cool. All right. Sounds like some fun work. Matt, tell us about the Joe Smith Consultancy at Padilla. Yeah. Um, Joe Smith is a brand consultancy. Uh, we focus. We work with clients of all kinds and all sizes, um, and we start with you know helping them figure out their story, how they position themselves, what's unique about their offer. Um, but that also works internally too, helping uncover their internal purpose and employee engagement. Uh, we do work in you know whether it's sort of like new identity design or customer experience. It sort of runs the whole gamut, but it it starts from the sort of holistic understanding of what this organization is and what value it brings to all its stakeholders. And you're part of Padilla, which is yeah. known more as a PR firm. Is exactly. that right? Yeah. So at Joe Smith, we sort of, we work on building the brands and then through the sort of wider Padilla family, um, you know, more traditional PR and marketing communications that help grow them. So Matt, it sounds like the work that Joe Smith and Padilla does uh, it's a good fit for this project that you're going to talk about, uh, the work you did with the NET and the Virginia Wine Board Marketing Office. But you guys worked together before this project came along. You had actually done some work for the Virginia Wine Board Marketing Office before you even joined Padilla mm -hmm. and had some history there. And when this project came up, it was uh, kind of a coincidence that you had that background and fortuitous for Padilla, frankly, that you had that background and, and came into the project. So I'm going to let the two of you talk about that prior history and then have Annette talk about bringing this project to Padilla. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll start. I was, uh, I guess I was a Virginia wine fanboy long before this, this project, uh, began. Um, when I first got immersed in the Virginia wine region, I was actually a bartender, um, for a, a local wine bar here and doing their marketing. And I had the opportunity to go on a tour of Virginia vineyards that Annette's team was organizing. And I gotta say, I gotta admit, I kind of went in with a little quasi-informed skepticism, maybe largely <laughs> uninformed skepticism about Virginia wine, and maybe I had a couple experiences that weren't that great. So, you know, the the worst thing is someone who knows a little bit about wine because they think they know everything about wine. So I, I went in with my, you know, pretensions and my presumptions, um, but I was blown away by what I saw, and it was very different than the preconceived notions I had. And I saw these kind of everything that I liked about in you know, small European vineyards, like these sort of family-run operations. You know, it's this agricultural product. 
And so I got super excited about Virginia Wine. And then like maybe a year or so later, I was doing some freelance writing and I got an opportunity to do some freelance writing through um, a local blog there, which Annette's team, even though I don't think you knew who I was. Uh, oh, I knew who you were. Oh, I, I didn't. I'd <laughs> never met you, but yeah. I knew your name. Okay, cool. So you knew who my name was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had an awesome experience of for, God, it was like over a year, like a year and a half. It was two years. Two years. Um, touring different Virginia vineyards and learning about it and writing about it. And it was every bit. It was this, a column. Wh yeah. Where was? So, uh, RVA News, the now sadly defunct RVA News. Um, but yeah, it was like maybe a monthly column or something. Um, but I got to explore and learn more about Virginia wine. And the whole time, you know, it was kind of like aching in the back of my head. Like there's such a great story here. And you get it in fits and starts, but it's not being told to the public at large. So then when, you know, the opportunity came with through my work with Joe Smith and Padilla, we heard that Annette was looking for a partner there. I was like, I want to be at that table. <laughs> and thankfully, Katie Myers and, and Mark Raper uh, were able to, to get me at that table. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. That's, that's some great experience to bring to the conversation. And I, I had known Mark Raper, actually, and Katie, too, but I had known Mark like in the Richmond community for like 20 plus years. Like I'm scared to admit how long I had known Mark. And um, when we knew that we had to develop a brand, we uh, our, our industry was evolving and we felt that that was really missing, a unified message that really pulled everybody together. And I reached out to Mark and Katie was part of the team and I knew her also through a separate, but, but anyway, they they came to the table with you, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Because <laughs> I remembered I remembered that column that mm -hmm. he did for us for two years, and so the team really brought a really strong background and knowledge of Virginia wine, which is so important when you're developing yeah. a project like this. And so, uh, so our conversation today is going to focus on this project that Padilla did for the Virginia wine uh, marketing operations that you run. And the focus of collaboration on how the two of you work together on this project and how it evolved. Uh, you know, there was a vision you had when you came to them of this is what I need. Here's the problem I'm trying to solve. And as I understand from talking with both of you, that evolved into what the actual project became. So let's start with you going back to what you originally thought you needed. And when you went to Padilla, what was what was the um, the description of the project? Well, first. Let me just go back a little further, actually. So we started working with the Virginia Wine Board in 2007. And back then, we just, uh, the wine board uh, at that time was like, we just want people coming to the wineries. And the wine industry was growing exponentially. In 2007, there were 119 Virginia wineries. Now there are over 300, just to give you an idea of the amount of growth. And the, these wineries were popping up everywhere, and they all had different business plans and different business models, and it was like the wild, wild west. And so we were just trying to get people to visit Virginia wineries, and, and we at one time used a slogan, find the one you love, because they were all so different. And um, by within, say, the last five years, patterns started emerging. The wine industry was raising the, the caliber of wines being produced, patterns were emerging, and the wines that were getting critical acclaim. And we felt like we had evolved to a point where we really could have a unified brand messaging for the entire industry. 
And so that was really the directive. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, that, that's how I remember it as well. <laughs> She's not lying. <laughs> Good. Okay. So that's a pretty straightforward problem to solve or a pretty straightforward description of the problem to solve. Um, but this has really evolved into an interesting project. The, the results of it are out, and we're going to talk about the results of it at the end of the podcast. But from what I've seen of uh, the case study that Padilla has on their website, it's a really interesting project mm-hmm. and really well done. So I want to now talk about how how Padilla and you, Matt, you know, worked with that vision and how it um, evolved into the project that it became. Sure. So we started by looking at the existing research that was out there, and you guys had done a study. They had done a study in maybe it was like 2012 or something. Um, so it was, you know, old at that, at that point, several years old, but still like there was some resonant stuff. And I, I remember one thing that jumped out at us was it was something like 30 to 40 percent of the people that in this study identified basically as like Virginia locavores, like they shopped at farmer's markets, they appreciated local beer and local spirits. They didn't think of Virginia wine as an agricultural product, which is crazy. Because wine, when done right, you know, as we were talking about before. Soul-crushing is the word I would use. <laughs> yeah, absolutely soul-crushing. Yeah. Very and disappointing. We're both biting our tongues to keep this, you know, safe for work <laughs> right. right now, I'm sure. Um, but once you go and see, like, how wine, when it's done right, how it's made, it is the most agricultural product, right? You can make a local beer by buying grains at you know, barley.com. I don't think that's a real thing, but, you know, uh, (laughs) that's true. You know, most of the ingredients are bought from a pretty anonymous source, and then you make it in your garage and Scott's Edition or whatever, and cool, we're a local brewery, and that's great. You know, it's a local artisanship. But wine is just this product of agriculture. So that became, like, a huge problem to solve. (laughs) One, like, how do we show people, and how do we tell in our story that this is such an agricultural thing? Yeah, if you bring in grapes from, say, California and you make wine in Virginia, on the label, it legally has to say American. You cannot call it Virginia wine. It has to be grown in Virginia to call it Virginia wine. So it truly is as local as it comes. Gotcha. All right. That's a good point to to make, that if it says Virginia wine, it has to be grown here in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Correct. And when you're drinking a a good Virginia wine – you're not just tasting the work of the artisan that put that wine together. You're tasting the result of the soil and the weather of that year. So it's this incredible expression of place and a time. Um, so that became one thing we knew we had to solve. And the other voice that was missing in all the research, we, the existing research we waded through, was the voice of the winemaker. We knew there were stories there. So we went and we interviewed over a dozen winemakers. Um, and just heard from them as well. It was a lot more than that. It was, was it? Closer okay. to like 24. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the craftsmanship that goes into winemaking, mm-hmm. it's an artisanal product from these vineyards that is going out and being marketed in Virginia's Virginia wine. Very artisanal crafted. Handcrafted. Handcrafted <laughs> product um, with a variation that comes from being a handcrafted uh, product. And also from the land. So wine, you know, if grapes grow in 
high altitudes, they taste one way. If they grow in sandy soil, they taste another. If they grow in red clay, they taste a different way. Um, if it rains a lot, you can sometimes taste that in the – not sometimes. You taste that in the grapes. Mm -hmm. And so every variable with the climate and – uh, changes the output that goes into the bottle. And in Virginia, we have a lot of varied climates. So literally every year and every vintage is an adventure in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you were sharing with me was uh, there was a temptation to define the region by the grapes. Yeah. A lot of really famous regions have defined themselves by the grape and or, or a couple of grapes. You know, California, you have... Uh, Napa Chardonnay and Cabernet. You have Oregon Pinot Noir, uh, New York Riesling. I could go on. You know, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. So that tends to be a lot of up-and-coming regions really say, oh, my God, we have to pick a grape. It's kind of because that has been the trend to date. But you guys didn't go down that path. You considered that and discussed that. And so talk about how that, that conversation went. So – yeah, we, for for years, um, there's been a lot of conversation as to what is the official grape of Virginia, right? Is it Viognier? Is it Cabernet Franc? Is it Petit Verdot? Oh, it's Cabernet Franc again. Oh, it's Petit Mansang. Like you've kind of been, <laughs> you know, that's sort of been the conversation. And um, part of our council was stop, stop trying to do that. Um, A, there's too much variety here to try and pigeonhole Virginia wine into one grape. B, I think it's bad brand strategy, and I, and I see that as an era area where wine regions, in terms of promoting themselves, are a little bit, by and large, kind of behind uh, brands in really any other category that have realized, like, okay, it's, here's the big story we tell, the ethos of our brand, and these sort of, like, functional aspects of it are just proof points. And we also saw how a lot of those regions that we would see as kind of being in this enviable enviable position of having established themselves around a particular grape or a particular style were kind of trying to back out of that cul-de-sac that they got themselves into and saying, hey, uh, Bordeaux is more than just these serious expensive blends. You can drink it with pizza. And, you know, New York is more than just Riesling. So it maybe wasn't the golden ticket. You know, I mean, it definitely worked for a while, but um, we saw there's more opportunity to sort of like, let's figure out like what is the story going on in the region and anchor the brand around that story and I, let the grapes be proof points. I can just imagine working in the industry with the winemakers and the wine board. I can just picture those board meetings where they're like, what are we going to do with our Chardonnay? <laughs> yeah, I know. My whole family's been growing Chardonnay and all you talk about is Riesling. Um, but it's funny, we were actually at, we were sharing our insights report at the Virginia Wine Board meeting, which is a pretty formal affair, um, and on the agenda was, is Viognier the official Virginia wine grape? And we're like, can we bump our thing up a slot? Because we have something <laughs> to say that might. And I think that got taken off the agenda because of it. Good, good, it good, did. good. So, all right, so tell me what the reaction of the board was to this um, pitch or description from Padilla and, and the Joe Smith team. Well, we took it in uh, a couple of series. So after the the Padilla team had met with winemakers across the state, they organized um, their findings into some key themes, and they presented those key themes to the board. And the response to that original presentation was overwhelming support. Um, every, uh, one of the board members I remember very uh, 
I just remember this so clearly. He's like, did you interview me? This is what I would say. <laughs> and, and I remember when he said that because I started sweating. He's a great <laughs> winemaker, and he's sitting on the board, and he goes, did you interview me? And I was like, uh, no, but we, we can right now. If you want. He's like, oh, because I thought you may have because this is what I would say. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we knew we were on the, the right track. And then based on the approval from that board meeting, then they went back and started fine-tuning the messaging into uh, the next step. Mm-hmm. And the board, um, there, uh, I'm trying to remember. God, that's such a fog. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but the it was also a lot of success, and the board really approved the messaging. Yeah. Was, was, was there, were there any um, – any pivots or any feedback from the board that you said, okay, let's tweak this to meet yeah. what they're saying? Uh-huh, yeah. So first, to kind of finish what Annette was saying was like, yeah, we first went and did our insights and we're like, and here are the implications. One of them, forget the grapes, lead with the grit. You know, the story of what's going on in the vineyard is bigger than a single grape, so let's put that story to rest. And the other was this idea of responsive winemaking about how because it's so – unpredictable. You know, the weather in Virginia is less predictable and the soil is so diverse. The upside of that is our winemakers have gotten really good at sort of reading the signs from the soil and improvising. And it becomes this really interesting like dance between the winemaker and, and the and the vineyard. Um, so we said, OK, let's anchor the story around here. And we sort of left it there. And then we went back and we sort of built the foundation of the brand. And then we went and shared, you know, here's the messaging, here's the positioning. And then after that, here's the visual system. And the visual system, that was the one where there was the biggest pivot, where it was kind of interesting, where we had this initial version of this logo, which you see here before you, and maybe you'll put it You'll have to go on the website and see this V that looks like, it's V for Virginia, but it looks like a wine branch, or uh, uh, what do you call it, a grape branch, Mm -hmm. right? It looks like a branch Mm -hmm. uh, off the 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 vines. Mm -hmm. V for vine, V for Virginia. Mm -hmm. It's got a little leaf on it. Mm -hmm. Clever. But anyway, so the first iteration, it like curled in a certain way that we thought was really pretty and playful and evocative and organic feeling. Um, and we got some pushback from some of the growers are like, well, wine, you know, a, a, a vine, a wine vine <laughs> would never grow like that. And we're like, yeah, but come on, man. It's like <laughs> creative. Come on, yes, man. We're taking some liberty and taking it's beautiful. And they push back like, no, I'm just not comfortable with it. So like overnight our designer became like a master of vinifera and she was like <laughs> sketching out all these vines and it could do this and this is the trunk and this is the whatever i can't remember that now she could tell you right um so that was like a really interesting pivot that made us go down like get real smart real quick about like viticultural in ways yeah. we never thought we would have to yeah the f- the former logo had a tendril on it a, mm-hmm. like a and you see tendrils being used in other forms talking about vines but the board just uh there are three there so that's a 10 member board three of the three of them are growers all three growers on the board said yeah the tendrils gotta go yeah (laughs) and then we looked back and we looked at okay here are the three objectives we set out we wanted to what we talked about earlier sort of increase that sort of local pride among local audiences. We wanted to position Virginia wine to for non-local audiences to give a cohesive story that they would appreciate, whether they're from Virginia or not. Um, and we wanted to rally winemakers and growers around a unified vision. So we felt like, oh, for pissing off the growers, <laughs> that that's a third of our objective here. So let's compromise here. And I don't think the logo suffers at all for it. I've, I've yeah. grown to love it quite a bit. Looks good. So let's talk about um, what actually got developed and delivered. So mm-hmm. let's get into 
kind of laying out the details of there was some brand identity work mm-hmm. and so on. So I'm going to let you tell the story, but let's talk about the deliverables of what actually got built and done. Cool. Um, starting around some sort of like high level strategy, like purpose and positioning, the positioning, you know, defining like who our audience is at, at kind of like a psychographic level, not as like, you know, for males, 18 to 24 kind of thing, but like, you know, what their needs are and what their values are and how we can deliver on them. And that sort of unique functional and emotional thing Virginia Wine delivers them. So that sort of strategic positioning that would, you know, feed all the stuff coming out of it. Um, and then we created a, what we call a messaging architecture. Like here are our core messages and here's, here's how we actually call them supporting stories. Cause we said, you know, it's, you look at wine and the way wine is marketed and it's kind of astonishing how you can make something as fun as wine become so just boring, right? <laughs> and just so functional. It's so true. <laughs> and it's just a drag. So we thought like, okay, how do we turn all of these? We know if we talk about the grapes and we have to talk about the land and we have to talk about the process, but how do we build a story around them? And we, one of the rules we created was story before specs. So here's the story about the land and then here's all the functional stuff. And then here's the story about the process, right? And kind of inspiring story. And then here are the specifics of it. So we created this whole messaging architecture so we can talk about all the stuff we need to talk about, but do it in a way that's more storytelling and less just like checking the box, like residual sugar and this many hectares of vineyard, you yeah. know. So much of winemaking is, um chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so winemakers can get super geeky on the technical stuff that goes totally over the heads of the average consumer and even the above average consumer. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a time and a place in all that. But again, you'll have the specs, but story comes first. Gotcha. Invite people in with the story and then you can nerd out if they want to nerd out. Good. Well, I, I can tell you I didn't see any nerding out in the video. That I saw. Cool. So, <laughs> so you compartmentalize that uh-huh. and save me from it. So we so we created all the, the messaging architecture. And then initially the plan wasn't – we weren't going to be doing any visual or any new logo or anything. But we put that whole new brand together. And I remember being in the room with you and you're reading through all the messaging and you're getting like super excited. And then you look at the old logo and you're like, oh. That doesn't really tell that the new story, right? I, I laugh. That, mm-hmm. So my way, when in our early meetings, he's like, what about the logo? I'm like, we're not touching our existing logo. But then, <laughs> Leave the logo alone. <laughs> leave the logo alone. But after we went through the process, I liken it to the analogy of when you redecorate your kitchen and you get new cabinets and then you get then you're like well the appliances are so old we might as well go and replace <laughs> them and then you're like yeah we're going to have to redo and add the granite mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know you've redone everything mm-hmm. it was a similar process because i really just thought we were going to do messaging and we ended up basically redoing everything so yeah, then we created a whole visual system, new obviously new logo, new typography, colors, uh, photography style, um, and then we started making you know what we call these sort of signature assets. So the Virginia Wine Primer is a sort of printed in like this little booklet, you know, fifteen pages or whatever that just sort of encapsulates the story, and then the videos which you mentioned we did. I mean, when you roll out a brand like video is the great way to, you know, you have like thirty ninety seconds that encapsulates the brand and. People are like, whoa, how'd you make that video? And you're like, it started two years ago. <laughs> you know, and you get to tell them about all the stuff that went behind it. 
Well, yeah, it was great video, and I love the interviews with the the people at the vineyards. Um, I'm going to guess that your experience traveling around to these vineyards before you got involved in this project kind of gave you some ideas for how this was going to play out because Mm -hmm. you'd actually gone out to several vineyards and seen the vineyards, and that's what we get to experience. We kind of get what you did in your traveling in this video. We get to go look at the vineyards and talk to the people or hear them. We don't get to talk to them, but we hear them talking to us. You can talk to them if you want. (laughs) weird. Um, But, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean – you experience certain things at a vineyard or you see things in winemakers like, oh, this person tells a really great story and this person, their passion just like comes through. So that saved us a lot of time. And, but I mean, also Annette and her team, they also, you know, were able to identify people as well. So again, so it yeah. Was it's, so, it was such a fun project. And, yeah. you know, whenever you get to get out of the office and go visit the wineries, it's mm-hmm. not a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not a bad day at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, Annette, as the Joe Smith team put these visual assets together, you started working with your team and started implementing some social media campaigns. Is that is that a fair statement? It is. It is. So we have a, a person on our staff who specializes in social media. Um, separately, we also work with Padilla. We work with Matt and the Joe Smith team, but we also work with the media relations team and the electronic team at Padilla. So once we had the brand messaging, we were incorporating it through all elements of our work. So we redid the website, we redid uh, the winery guide, we worked with um, the media relations team on the messaging we're rolling out to the media. And uh, internally, we handle social media in-house and uh, our team incorporated that messaging through all of our uh, social media work as well. And what what came out of that? Uh, the results have been fantastic. First, the the some of the media spots that we did, we incorporated it into some wine enthusiast advertising that we did last fall that just was, um, oh my God, it was like over 500,000 impressions, which, um, Normal things that you place on on their platforms don't get that kind of response. So we knew that the public was really engaged with that messaging. And our social media has really uh, expanded uh, like 25% in terms of engagement. Cool. So it's been very positive. Cool. So Matt, tell us more about what your team delivered. Mm-hmm. So um, in addition to all the stuff we talked about already, um, we also – created some what we called signature experiences. So these things that would sort of embody, you know, these, they're not assets, it's not marketing, but these actual like immersive experiences that embody the the new Virginia wine brand. Um, and one that we sort of rolled out a bit last year and got a big push going on this year is called Harvest Party, where basically we're trying to create a, a new holiday for Virginia. It's sort of like the idea of um, almost like a, a Friendsgiving kind of thing, but like making this official date in October, October 19th, yes. where we just se- – it's about celebrating the bounty of Virginia, food, wine, all the above. Um, so uh, last year we had some really awesome dinners. They, it was mostly media dinners, but these cool immersive events where it's not just like your typical kind of like course to wine dinner, but you're actually going to the Eastern Shore, for example, learning about the agricultural history there and the culinary history there and touring the region um, and you know doing that at different regions throughout Virginia. And now we're, there's a big rollout planned this year 
um, where we've created these toolkits for vineyards and for restaurants and retailers um, to encourage people to hold their own harvest parties. And we're supporting that. We're trying to get some restaurateurs around the state to support the Heart of This Party concept. We've these toolkits will help show them the things they can do to roll out that concept. We're encouraging wineries to do it as well. Um, and retailers, we're also supporting this with point-of-sale materials that uh, they can use to help promote um, Virginia wine bags, for example, so people can buy their Virginia wines and take them home and have their own Virginia wine mm-hmm. harvest party. And, and, and yeah. we've got one of those Virginia wine bags right here on the table. And just the idea of you know hoping to... to try and grow this this holiday from from the ground up you know this kind of grassroots holiday the the thinking being that you know thanksgiving and traditional holidays uh, too many rules and no local color and to create something that's just special about celebrating what's unique about virginia that's really cool mm-hmm. so and that tell us how the board reacted to this when when all this was done and presented back to the board is here's what we did how did they react i think the I think that the board's uh, response has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, we did have a little hiccup with with the first logo, which but the now that we revised that logo, um, and it got the approval of all the growers on the board. Um, the messaging, the harvest party, the messaging. Every time we uh, roll out an event that uses that brand messaging. Uh, the board has been overwhelmingly positive. In fact, we had a board meeting last week. Uh, one of the events, uh, we rolled out a Psalm camp with a Psalm Journal magazine, and we had sommeliers from around the country come into Virginia and tour Virginia wineries. And we produced um, the whole event was branded with this new messaging. And one of the pieces from that camp, we handed out at the board at the last meeting and they were um it got a standing ovation i don't think i told you that yet. no <laughs> well done oh. standing ovation wow <laughs> so matt one of the success metrics here is your team won a prsa award here in richmond the public relations society of america prsa you won an award this year at their event tell us more about that what was the award that you won Oh, I can't remember. I think it was uh, Best in Show. Best in Show. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it, it felt great. Um, and I kind of like never cared about awards. And then I won one. And I was like, I won all of these. That's that's a good award. Uh, <laughs> ego. And, and you're up e- for ego more. Ego is a hell of a drug. Yeah. yeah so you're up for more. Uh, this this campaign is up for more awards. Yeah. And the, the TOT, I think is how it's pronounced, awards in D.C. Okay. Um, and you know it's it's interesting because we're winning these awards in it, they're, it's a PR based award, but it's not. I mean, there's a PR component of it, but it's all this brand work that's behind it. Right. So I think to me that's what's interesting. It's almost kind of like a Trojan horse. You know, hopefully they won't hear this <laughs> that we tricked <laughs> the whole system. Well, from what I've heard of the PRSA, they have a wide variety of of uh, categories. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that uh, get awarded and recognized. So um, there's a component of all the brand strategy work you did, all the creative thinking that went into this that then actually had to get out to the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, the PR channel is part of how that actually gets received and appreciated um, after all the hard work you guys put into building this campaign. Sure. 
So that's good. Mm -hmm. Glad to see the uh, success of this campaign for the Virginia wines and wineries. But at this point, I've got to wrap up the conversation. It's been fun. I've enjoyed having both of you in here today. Uh, love promoting the uh, Virginia wines and the wineries, the local businesses. Fun to have you guys here talking about your collaboration uh, on this project and kind of the, the shifts and, and uh, kind of the pivots as this thing evolved into the project that eventually got launched. But at this point, I've got to wrap things up. So. To our audience, you have been listening to the Agency Work Podcast. My guests today have been Annette Boyd and Matt Brahoney. To learn more about Virginia Wines and Wineries, go online to virginiawine.org, V-I-R-G-I-N-I-A-W-I-N-E.org. To learn more about Padilla and their Joe Smith Consultancy, go online to joesmithco.com, J-O-E-S-M-I-T-H-C-O.com. Thank you, Annette and Matt. Thank you. Thanks, Parker. To our audience, thank you for listening. I will be back in two weeks with another discussion on collaboration, and I hope you will tune into that episode. This podcast was recorded at Red Amp Audio in Richmond, Virginia. This is Agency Work signing off.